I'm Trey Cal, the social-ish barista. And I'm Trey Dex, the regular co-host barista. Yeah, and you're listening to the social-ish barista podcast. That's right. We changed names. Did you miss it? And don't forget that you can find this podcast on all podcast platforms like iTunes and Spotify. And you can find all that at socialish barista now. We're fully dived in. That's right. Anyways, other news we have. Oh, wait, we have a big announcement coming in next week's episode. Big announcement. I bet no one will guess what it is. Except I bet two people will. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> two people will. But no one else will guess what it is. And it's big. Big deal. It's real like, big it's stuff. Like Wand- it's WandaVision big. It's yeah, that's such a good show. Have you guys been watching WandaVision? <laughs> I have. Aiden, do you watch WandaVision? <laughs> no, I don't watch WandaVision. He's trying to be so quiet. <laughs> Welcome, Aiden, to the show. I forgot to say Thank that. You. What's up, Aiden? Thank you guys for having me. It's great to be here. You should watch WandaVision. It's a good show. All right. I'll it's have to check it out. Helps I mean, my Disney stock. Yeah, let's check our stonks real quick. I'm new to the stonk world. Yes, we're investors now. That's great. Yeah, that was a big deal. Up and right, as I say. Yeah, but aside aside from stocks, um, we were supposed to record this podcast a week ago. Right. But uh, we had some crazy winter weather a week ago. How, how, How did that go for you guys down in Tennessee? Well, we got yeah, we got snowed in pretty heavy. Um, it at first it was just like sleet and ice rain, and so that made it really bad because there's like a layer of ice to start it out, and then there's snow on top of it. So it's pretty crazy. Um, I was stuck in Franklin, so I wasn't even home for the first few days um, of it, and so yeah. And Aiden, who's my manager at Quizera, um, we I mean we had to shut down the coffee shop. Because we couldn't even get into the parking lot or what yeah, alone. Yeah, we were shut city. down for like five days. I got stuck out yeah. in Mount Juliet. Honestly, I mean, the weather was so cozy. I think I took more naps this last week than I have probably all of <laughs> 2020. So <laughs> I'm not complaining about it. I was about to say it felt so drudgy. And I was like, I'm stuck in Franklin and I don't have any of my recording gear. So what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, I was, was, I was stuck at a friend's house. I didn't bring any of my coffee stuff with me, and all she had was like Green Mountain House Keurig pods, in Ooh, Green Mountain, like almond milk vanilla creamer. It was yeah, it was a nightmare. Once I was done, I went to stop. <laughs> it was a nightmare. <laughs> there you I was. Really Aiden. You see Aiden out in like the <laughs> snow, built a fire, and he's making coffee himself over a fire with like just random. He just found some cherries, pitted them, roasted it himself. <laughs> yeah, just makeshift household appliances into a grinder. <laughs> MacGyver, but coffee, but barista. McBrewer. Oh, Ooh, McBrewer. wait a second. <laughs> Hard life. Yeah, it's, we, it's tough. we had a lot of ice, too, in Kentucky. And then it snowed. And I still went to work, but it, like... It was like so much ice, like my back, the back steps of my apartment where I let my dog out. There was literally till yesterday, almost like not exaggerating, maybe like two and a half, three inches of ice, like a solid, solid, solid 
sheet of ice. And it was very dangerous because my dog likes to pull. And I almost got pulled down the stairs like multiple times. So that was not fun. And then it snowed. And that was not fun either because it didn't go away. And we couldn't move our cars in our apartment. Like literally everybody in my apartment was stuck because all of our cars are parked on a hill. And so no one could get their cars out because they were just slipping on ice. It was awful. And you still had to go to work? That's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, like, I'm pretty comfortable driving the snow. But I mean, it wasn't a big deal because we didn't have customers. We just got to work and did stuff we had to do. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was surprised. I mean, the, you know, the two days that the snow was really bad, I was getting calls from people asking if we were open. Yeah. I probably got like 20 of them. Like, you guys are willing to risk your lives out here to come get a flat white. I mean, I, I respect that, but we're, you know, we're closed. Yes, people, we used to have, when I worked at Northline, we had a, we had a, we always called it the, like, snow day or snow apocalypse discount. So every time there was really bad snow, but it was, like, still okay enough to come to work, we would have a discount, and tons of people would still show up because, like, you know, like, people get the idea, like, oh, I'm stuck inside in my house, and, like, I gotta get out at least one time, so at least get out to go get a donut. Like, it was crazy. People would show up. It wouldn't be, like, a ton of people, but still, some people would, like, it was just a thing for people to be, like, I have to at least get out of my house one time today, because I'm snowed in for the day. Like, people act like they're gonna be snowed in for a week, and they're only gonna get out one time, but it could be worse. It could be a global pandemic, and you're locked in your house for a month. Could Something be crazy. <laughs> Just a month. Only a month, though. Just a month. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's it. But anyways. Yeah. Uh, other news I found out this week is I am late to the game, but I, I realized that James Hoffman is on TikTok. What? And I didn't know he was like on he, on TikTok. He's on TikTok. So yeah, like, that's big basically... Time. Yeah, he does, like, shorter versions of a lot of his popular videos, I guess. Like, I don't know if they're necessarily, like, TikTok-specific. I don't even know if he actually runs it or if he pays somebody to make his content for TikTok. I don't know how that works, but... It's just, like, clips from his videos? Yeah, kind of. And, like, so in a way, it's, like, kind of promoting his videos on YouTube, but it's also sometimes they're, they're shorter versions that kind of get the point across a lot quicker. Um... And they're actually pretty good. Like, I kind of like following it. It's been I've been enjoying it personally. Uh, but what I mostly enjoy personally is the comment section because TikTok is like this weird place where like there's all these little niche like interests that people are into, but they a lot of those videos come across a regular person's feed, and the regular people are like, "What the crap is this?" Like. <clears throat> can you just imagine you know nothing about coffee? You're just like you know coffee is like. It's it's Keurig, it's whatever. Don't even know any words Starbuck. yet. Don't even know any words. And then this English guy comes across your for you page on TikTok and is like talking about certain kinds of water to use in brewing coffee. And you're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> like, I've just been reading the comments because people have literally just been like, it's just like this clashing of coffee nerd and knows nothing about coffee people. And I've just personally have loved it i have a i gotta get into those comments i got a specific one that cracked me up so he was talking about um he was talking about how to keep coffee fresh like if you get like you know he was and he was saying like if you get like a five pound bag of coffee and you don't want to go through it all you could like zip it up and then like 
a way to keep it in the freezer and keep it fresh. And then somebody commented, they said, uh, Twisted Man said, or maybe buy green coffee and roast it yourself. It's not that hard. And then little heart emojis like of this. I don't know how to explain this emoji, but he's got like little hearts on his face. He's smiling and blushing. And then somebody's like, it is. Roasting is trivial, but roasting requires controlled, controlling and temperature and time to the degree Celsius and second. And doing that in home is impossible. And Twisted Man said, no. If you really want to do that, it's also possible. Their grammar is really bad. Just add a programmable programmable PID controller to your oven or whatever you use. That's a hundred dollar or he said hundred euro hack. And then somebody was just like, sorry, I had to find it. You got to cut out that pause, Trey. I'm going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> no, but, no, I'm leaving it. No, they'll leave it. I'm not good at reading. I'm really slow at reading, actually. I can't um, read. I can't read. No, but um, somebody said, you can honestly get great results with feel and a popcorn popper. Can you sell it for $18 a bag? No. But it tastes <laughs> delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just love this, the colliding of worlds that happens on TikTok. And that's just what... I can imagine happens. him... Because first off, the the thing that I love the most about James Hoffman is his voice. Like, I could listen to him just talk about seagulls for like an hour because he's just got that like it's just it it's like somebody kind of put like cotton balls in his mouth and he's still trying to talk with them in there, but he's just so focused on articulation that it still sounds good. Oh, yeah. And so I can only imagine just being a complete just person that like follows or you know happens to look at that one person that puts like half a pound of ice in their chemex and then pours hot coffee over it and says look iced coffee um <laughs> and then they get to james hoffman being like the way the way the grinder takes and it grinds all the things <laughs> and it gets the finite <laughs> finite the fines into it and that helps it's it's really quite quite lovely to it it's like it's the really david quite attenborough really quite lovely. coffee <laughs> <laughs> It is. Oh, he's like and the what? Kind of like what? What'd you say he was? David Attenborough, who did the voiceover for Planet Earth. Oh, yeah. he is. Yeah. I also think like if Gordon Ramsay was into coffee and really nice and like <laughs> didn't say things very rude to people, that would definitely also be James. Dude, Alton. no. Have you seen Gordon Ramsay's like cooking at home videos? That's like, true. He's pretty really nice. In they're those so videos. lovely. But that's the thing. Like Gordon Ramsay's actually like probably one of the friendliest people like whenever you just watch the way he interacts with people unless that's it's true. a tv show that you have to be in he might not be so friendly he used to have some but funny James videos Hoffman? at home with his like kids and he is such a dad like it's hilarious best dad yeah but dude james hoffman i gotta watch more of his tiktoks the they're comment section i can only imagine like when they're just kind of like yeah dude like uh i just don't I don't really get what you're saying. You're talking a weird language when you talk about coffee. I don't yeah. like that. There's one where he's talking about the Ember mug, like that like mug you pay, pay like $100 yeah. for, and it keeps your coffee hot. He's just talking about it. like He's like, it's kind of ridiculous, but it's kind of awesome. Like, you know, it's not going to keep the same quality over time, but it's still going to keep your coffee hot. And he was just talking about it, and then somebody in the comments was like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> and somebody else was like, so what does this thing do? But like, 
if you're a coffee person, you see that and you're like, oh, I know what that is. Like, obviously. But yeah, it's good stuff. You should follow Jason Hoffman on TikTok. It's it's a uh, it's visually pleasing. I enjoy it. Aiden, are you are you a TikTok guy? I'm not a huge TikTok guy. I downloaded it for a little bit and then just deleted it. I, I just made a TikTok account for Queezer. So I'm probably going to hop back on there and try to see what's going on in coffee. But from what I've heard yeah, okay. with like the Dalgona coffee and there's just so much weird stuff in the TikTok coffee world. There is. I, mean, I was listening to the episode where you're talking with Parker about the great white coffee. And I'm just like, what in oh the world? Oh my gosh. So it's kind of nice. I mean, we have a voice of reason on the platform now. Like there's just That's been so much, nice. you know, false information out there to have James Hoffman come in and just lay down the law. Yeah. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Literally the sheriff. James Hoffman, Sheriff of Coffee. There's some people doing like really visually pleasing stuff though. I've seen like a lot of cool videos of like people doing different things, like just like them doing a pour over or whatever. And like kind of like stuff you normally see on Instagram. And I see a lot of people transitioning that onto TikTok. So I think that's kind of cool. Um so I think like there's gonna slowly be more. And I've seen a lot more snarky baristas that are like, okay, I'm gonna just basically go on there and show these horrible customer transactions and like act them out and they're pretty funny but yeah i think i think slowly but surely more people in the coffee game are gonna be like okay we need to get some good coffee stuff on here but i think stuff, it's coming yeah it's coming yeah for sure and and then whenever trey is able to like make creative time he's gonna have to get on there and do like those tiktok like duets i really do with want people. to you have to do it, bro. Yes. I think it's oh, going to be the funniest so thing. Funny. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, be good. Cool. I have some ideas. I also like, I want to do this one of like, like, you know, like POV point of view. You're, um, you're a barista <laughs> and a customer is acting like, you know, like, or someone you're serving is like also obviously a barista, but trying to hint that they're a barista without saying that they're a barista. Like, just standing there awkwardly and be like, oh, hey, you know, like, the typical weird jargon where it's like awkward because you don't want to flex that you're a barista, but you also like want to be like, hey, I get it. Like, you know, I'm 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 kind of a barista myself. But <laughs> I I gotta make something like that. I'm still thinking it through, but Gosh, dude. How do you Aiden, what do you do when you're in that moment and you're trying to tell somebody, Hey, I'm a barista? How do you oh, do yeah. it? How do you how do you slip it in? I'd be like I'd be watching every little thing they're doing and just looking at their tamp. And I'd probably ask him, I'd be like, like oh, what's the, what's the dial in today? Like, just throw a little something out there. And, Ooh, Aiden and, goes straight for it. Ooh, he's yeah. not afraid. I'm afraid of you that, that straightforward. Or sometimes even just asking, you know, what their origin is or showing interest in the coffee itself. Because I think a yeah. lot of customers don't really care. You're just like, oh, what's on your espresso today? And then you can kind of engage in conversation and they'd get to know that you know a little bit. Um, so that's probably the move I would make. Yeah. I never hey, want to like, be that hey, guy. Man. But I definitely can't help but be like, hey, what's the process? Even though I can definitely probably look in the hopper and get a pretty good guess on what it is. But I'm just like, I just kind of want to low-key be like, I know a little bit about coffee, you know. <laughs> I know a little bit you about coffee. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> is that a 20-gram basket or an 18-gram basket? <laughs> oh, the Malconic <laughs> Peak, eh? Is that giving you any problems today? <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> Well, Aiden, we have already so much to talk about with you, um, and you could flex even harder when you walk into a coffee shop besides saying a barista, but let's start with the basics. We want to hear your origin story, 
We want to hear from first sip to now. We want to hear about Aiden. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Trying to think where to start. So I've lived in Africa for over 20 years. I was born in Togo, West Africa. Grew up on the coast there for 11 and then moved to Rwanda. And then when I moved to Rwanda, that's really where the whole coffee journey began, specifically in about 2014. I had a friend and his dad was growing coffee plants in his backyard. I mean, this guy, he would go through like six French presses a day. And I was really intrigued just by the complexity of this plant. And I wanted to learn from him like, okay, what is this? You grow it and then you roast it and then you can brew it in all these different ways. And I think I was just intrigued and I got hooked at that point. And I mean, Rwanda is known for its coffee. And then as a country itself, I think about 70, 80% of their exports is made up of their green coffee. So it's just intrinsically in the culture that coffee is something that they do. Um, and so coffee kind of came on my radar in 2014. But in 2015, there was a documentary that came out that was just called The Barista Movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. It kind of focused on six competitors from shops all around the U.S., like Intelligentsia, Portola Coffee Labs, and their journey just through um, like the qualifiers all the way to the United States Barista Championship. Uh, some of the people in that was like Charlie Hebinger, uh, Charles Babinski, who founded Go Get Em Tiger, and GMB Coffee out in California. And I mean, he was a U.S. barista champion. And so when I watched that movie, I just fell in love with the industry on the service side. I thought it was kind of interesting because most people, especially if you're from the U.S., you're going to be introduced to coffee from the service side as the beverage. And then the farming aspect of it is going to come later. But for me, it was totally reversed. Wow. I figured about the plant and then came into what it looked like on the service side. That's and awesome. so since I watched that movie, I wanted to become a barista. And I convinced my parents to send me to barista training school in Nairobi, Kenya. So that was in 2016. And so I went and I got my first round of SCAE certification. So that was the Specialty Coffee Association of Europe. This is back when the SCAE and the SCA were two different organizations. Yeah. Because there was one for Europe and then one for the U.S. and they merged. Yeah, they're like, now they're the SCAA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I did that certification and I got introduced to a whole bunch of really cool people in that industry and then just what it meant to be in specialty coffee. And then that's kind of where I just kept sinking into the industry, just got more and more curious and ultimately wanted to start a company. But at that point, I mean, I was just a kid. I was 16 years old. I had no business starting a business. But I thought, all right, well, I'm in this place, Rwanda, where we have all this amazing coffee. We go to the States every two years. What if I just took some coffee from the States? I could, I mean, from Rwanda, I can buy it here for about $6 a pound. And especially coffee goes anywhere from $18 to $20 in the US. And so I saved up a little bit of money and I think it was like, 300 pounds, but I started shipping coffee from Rwanda in trunks through Paris. And I would fill the coffee halfway up in the trunk and I'd put clothes over it in case they opened it up in customs. Wow. And You're I was shipping coffee. Yeah, I was smuggling coffee. <laughs> and, and so I took a bunch of it when we went back to the States in 2017 and I started distributing it to churches, uh, to office buildings. I like a ridiculous markup. I was making 400% on each pound. Oh my gosh. And so I just did that for a whole summer. 
I had just hustled trying to sell this coffee and I was and able were, to turn. You were 16? Yeah, I was 16. Whoa. And I, I mean, I borrowed a little espresso machine from a friend when I was in the States and I was kind of, you know, serving coffees at, at churches and office buildings. And then if they liked it, they could buy a bag of coffee. And I did that. I was able to turn a couple grand into, you know, a lot more. Yeah. And then we kind of built out this vision for the coffee shop itself that we wanted to start. And we launched a crowdfunding campaign to get the rest of the funding that we needed for that. Um, but me and my team came up with this company called Crema. And I lived in northern Rwanda in a city called Musanze, which is just at the base of the volcanoes. It's kind of where the DRC, the Congo, um, and Uganda and Rwanda all connect. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to start a coffee shop there. And keep in mind, like there was no specialty coffee shops really in Rwanda at the time, especially not in that city. So we were going to be the first coffee shop in a city with about 250,000 people. Um, But seriously, guys, I mean, it's an exciting time for Rwanda. Like a new story of hope is being written in a place that is too often known only for its difficult past. And the new Rwanda, it's just full of beauty and opportunity. And my team and I really felt like there was no place in our city where people could gather around a great cup of coffee in a place that would celebrate community and creativity. And we really wanted that to change. So our vision at Crema was to serve that amazing coffee, increasing local consumption and create jobs, encourage entrepreneurship for youth and highlight creative projects that were making a difference in Rwanda. And we didn't realize how much of a challenge it was to actually sell the service industry aspect of coffee, not the green coffee. Because keep in mind, they are exporting all this. They don't keep it in the country to actually locally consume. Right. So we had to educate the population on what does it mean to drink coffee and get them to have some sense of ownership over the product they were producing. I'll never forget this. There was, um, it was probably like three months into it. There was a guy who walked in the shop and he ordered a latte and I poured a Rosetta and I went to his table and I served it to him. I went back to the bar and he stared at it for like five minutes. And so I came back to his table. I was like, uh, sir, like, is everything all right? Can I help you with anything? And he just looked at me and he said, I, I'm afraid to drink this. Like, I have no idea why it looks like this. Why does it look like this? I was like, no, it's just something with the milk. Like, you should try it. It tastes really good. And he just didn't want to try it. He paid for it. He just got up out of the shop and left. Whoa. <laughs> and so those were the customer experiences we were having. Um, but we got really good at just training our baristas to be able to educate people. And I mean, we do it even in the States. Like you have somebody who's never drank coffee before you start them on a latte. Then you go with a little less milk, you give them a cappuccino. Then maybe one day they want to get a drip or a pour over. And so you just transition them into that. But the fun thing about starting that shop was we just had this really cool opportunity to be at the front of an industry. So we were working hand in hand with a few other shops in the country to change Rwanda's culture from not just a producing country to a consuming country right and i mean the baristas played a really important role in educating the population and making them comfortable with coffee and it was in 2019 we actually hosted this really cool event in partnership with afca which is the african fine coffee association we held a barista boot camp and we flew in african barista champions from like six different countries so we had you know the barista champion of South Africa. We had the barista champion of Uganda, Kenya, and they all came to Kigali, which is the capital. And we actually flew down Dale Harris, 
who was the 2017 World Barista Champion. And we just spent a week kind of sharing what coffee consumption looked like in our countries and, and trying to just, you know, exchange ideas and what we wanted to do because we were the baristas that had a platform to be able to say like, hey, this is the industry that we're trying to build. And I think it's interesting because I, I was a competitive barista for a little bit. I was able to um, represent Rwanda in the African Barista Championships and then qualify for the World Barista Championships. And in competitions in the U.S., baristas primarily are representing a shop or a company. Yeah. But in the case of competitive baristas in Africa, we were representing our country for that wow. producing culture and the farmers behind the drink. And so we got an opportunity to be on like CNBC Africa and kind of educate the population on there's so much more the coffee and the culture that can surround it than just shipping it out to countries like Europe in the U.S. And so that was just a really special time. And I was with that company for about three years and then ultimately decided I wanted to go to university in the States. And that's when I left to come to Nashville. And when I was coming to Nashville, I stopped through Ethiopia. I took a trip to Addis Ababa because I wanted to you know, take a little pilgrimage to some of the farms there. And on the plane ride to Addis, I kid you not, there was Charlie Hebinger, who is the guy who was from the Barista movie. Wow. That's he was great. on that plane and we sat next together and we we're having this whole conversation about the industry. And at this point, he is now green, the green buyer for Blue Bottle Coffee. Yeah. So he's their scout. He goes out to all the different auctions and decides what they're going to use for the year. So that's like a pretty big job. Um, and so that was just kind of a sign for me, like, man, especially coffee is something I still just want to be a big part of. I went to Adis and I connected with Mulege Coffee Exporters. So they're one of the largest exporters they work with Ona Coffee. I don't know if you know Sasa Shestik, who was the 2015 oh, World yeah. Barista Champion. They distribute to them. They distribute to Blue Bottle. Um, I think they have contracts with Stumptown. And, man, um, that's where I decided that I really wanted to get into the farming aspect as well as just opening up the cafe. And so that was just something that I kind of put in the back of my head. And then when I got to Nashville, um, started going to university, at Lipscomb University, but then got connected to Humphrey Street. And was super glad to actually be working in the specialty coffee industry in the U.S. because it was completely different. Like people love coffee here in Nashville. It's just it's a big part of the culture, which is the exact opposite from where I came from. And so the team at Humphrey Street, like it's just been so fun working with them. There's some great things happening there. But I did get to a point where I just really missed, you know, what was going on in Rwanda, and I wanted to continue that journey. And that's kind of where Quizera was born from. And so for those of your listeners who don't know, like Quizera is a specialty coffee shop that just opened up in Nashville on Fourth Avenue in a facility called Rocket Town. And Quizera means hope or belief in the language of Kenya Rwandan, which is what they speak in Rwanda. And the whole idea is we can continue to leverage the coffee industry to be able to provide for hope creation projects and partner with some of those organizations that are truly making a difference in Rwanda, but create a model of vertical integration where we're building this bridge between the company that's there and then the industry that's here. And we recently bought a farm. We're still working on barista training. We have an SCA certified trainer who's training baristas. So getting them educated so they can go work for other shops. So then the overall quality of service of coffee in Rwanda keeps growing. And so it's gonna be really interesting to see 
what happens from here as we start to develop this brand and this company here, and then ultimately be able to ship coffee from Rwanda, be able to sell it at our shop, and then use some of that money to go back to fund farmer training so we can increase our crop yield so they can get a better price for their green coffee, and then just have this really unique model where there's not many companies that have their hands in like all of the aspects of the industry. And so that's going to be super cool. And um, I'm really excited for what's going to go, you know, what's going to come from that. Um, and I mean, it's super yeah, great. Huge work. Yeah. I'm really excited. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been able to talk on the show a little bit about where I work in Nashville now being Quizera. And it's funny cause I met Aiden at Humphrey street after I had left. And, um, I heard a little bit about him through Parker and everything like that. And then it's funny when I was looking for coffee shops in Nashville and kind of looking around, um, I heard about this place, Quizera, and I was like, oh, I'll hit him up. And then I got an email back about an interview. And then in the video interview, I remember like seeing Aiden's face and going like, that looks like Aiden. Like that looks like the, the guy that started working at Humphrey Street after I left. I'm like, wait, <laughs> do you do you run the shop? He's like, yeah, yeah, dude, I do. I was like, wow <laughs> well a hot dog and when he told me the vision i mean i mean why i don't know like i've been working in specialty coffee for a while but and i've said this on the show and i'll continue to kind of say it just because it's it we everybody talks about this term but it's like we're looking at the reality of it right now but everybody used to talk about when i started in coffee what's the fourth wave what's the fourth wave and people would say, like, is it coffee cocktails? Is it, is it blah, blah, blah? And it's funny because I always thought, like, maybe there is no fourth wave. It's just, like, this is as good as it gets. But what Aiden is talking about and how the structure of this coffee shop works is mm -hmm. truly, like, man, how does Ricardo put it? Because he puts, like, the only way to be truly fourth wave is to, or what that would be is coffee for coffee's sake. Yeah. Like, yeah. truly. Which means that when I make that coffee and I make the money off of selling that coffee, that money literally circles right mm -hmm. back to the beginning of the stage of that coffee down to like the person's personal life of that start that owns the, that farms it, that walks it up a hill, the whole nine yards. It's not like, Oh, we give back by buying green from them. It's like, no, this money goes actually to that place. Yeah. Like and something that's the money I made. Yeah. Like far beyond fair trade. Cause it's easy exactly. to slap that label on it. But do you have yeah. a personal relationship with your farmers? Do you have the ability to actually pay them? Not just a visit type of personal rate? relationship. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this is really interesting. So the national agriculture and export board in Rwanda gets to set like a price floor for yeah. a kg of coffee, which is, it's like about two pounds. And so, um, in Rwanda in 2019, they had set it at like 70 cents for a kg. And so some people were paying, you know, maybe at most 40 cents for a pound. And that was meeting the national standard and what a lot of companies were actually paying. And because it had met that, they could put fair trade on that. But think about it. I mean, what you sell that bag of coffee for at a shop, that's crazy. And, and it's, it it's a big problem because people are leaving the coffee industry. Some of these farms that have been run for generations, the new kids, they see like, there's nothing for me in this coffee industry. I'd rather go and, you know, grow ginger or macadamias because I can make a better yield 
per square meter on my farm than if I was selling coffee. And so you're going to find that some of those producing countries, farms are actually going to like be dropping because yeah, people real. are going to change. Um, and so if the companies on the U.S. side or on the Europe side can actually come and partner with them, to be like, no, like we want you to be able to continue to develop these farms and we're going to help you actually do that by paying you more than what you need. Um, like I think that's really cool. I know there's a few companies that are doing it, but obviously not enough. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the next like five years play out when it comes to not only what you're doing, um, but we've even talked about the next wave of like even coffee shops in general aren't going to be, you know, people with money owning coffee shops just because they're like, I've always wanted to have a coffee shop and it's a good way to make some money. It's going to be baristas that know how to make start a small business and start their own shop the right way. Like, mm -hmm. and they're going to be thinking about community and the coffee part, not just I'm going to make the best cup of coffee in town and only specialty people will drink it. It's like, no, I'm going to know how to serve my community so that I can serve the community that's further than this. Yeah. And, um, exactly. I mean, I, th I think your trend, I mean, it's, I'm not sad to say it. Uh, I'm just like, I wish it could happen of course sooner, but I mean, you're starting a trend in Rwanda and other places to say like, you know, if you were to burst out of your country into an American market or a European market or even other markets in Africa, like you can start specialty coffee wherever you go and fund that directly back into owning your own land and directly back into the farmer and everything like that. Um, mm -hmm. Aiden, what's like, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned being involved in the coffee world for as long as you have? It's hmm. a good question. I think it's such a people oriented industry. Sometimes we forget about that, especially as coffee professionals, like we can really lean into the science of it. Yes. And that's important. But, you know, making sure that your baristas feel safe while they're at work and, and then create those environments where they're comfortable and want to be there. And then also doing the same for your customers. When we were training our staff, uh, especially at Crema, we couldn't emphasize this enough. We're like, this is not a transaction. This is an interaction. Right. And if you can figure out how to cultivate interactions, you're going to be better off in this industry. And so that might not be the biggest thing, but it's just the thing that comes to mind right now. Um, and I think it's really important uh, to just focus on the people and the people at all levels of the industry. So, yeah, that's been a pretty common theme, even on the podcast. I think we've seen because I think there's a lot of podcasts that do a great job nerding out over coffee and stuff like that. And the whole point of our kind of like platform is to more kind of make fun of the funny things in the people's business of it and like the silly parts of it um, and everything like that. And it's funny because this episode, we were even talking about how it's going to be kind of like a deeper dive into what's happening at coffee. And we rarely take episodes to really do that. Um, but it's good to hear that that's still like, even if we're going, I mean, we're talking to a dude we're, who's lived his life in Rwanda lived it around the coffee industry starting from the plant and he's not even talking about pour over extraction rate and all the in second pre-infusion and post-infusions and he's talking about people mm. and i think that's something that i want to take away from even when i go back to work um and i'm not just trying to impress my boss by saying that aiden i, I swear <laughs> uh, 
but no, it's kind of a reality. I think for all baristas, like motivation. Um, I mean, it's funny. I don't have any, I don't make coffee for myself at home because I get coffee at work. So I don't need to do that, but helping my girlfriend set up a cold brutati and watching her today after going through it and just, she's doing it all by herself. Cause she's thinking about it. And this is a girl that's like, you know, she's not like a barista, like in the barista and coffee world, she gets, you know, iced oat milk, honey, cinnamon lattes. And, but to see that it's not, we didn't get nerdy about the toddy in order for it to be the best time. We just had fun creating something together. That's mm -hmm. what made it good. And I think that just kind of goes without saying. And for people that are starting coffee shops that need that boost of confidence of just like make it through this like pandemic or make it through kind of this bump in the road. Um, I think first and foremost, what you're saying, it's a people's business and that's going to be the heart of it. And if you can focus on that, then that coffee part's only going to follow up on it. Um, but Aiden, like, you know, I worked with Cuisera since you guys kind of opened and I've had, we, it's of course been like a dead in the shop because of the rise in numbers and, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. We opened a new part of our shop and I think something that's really interesting, and I think Trey, I talked to you about this, but when he was like painting and kind of decorating the space, he was like, oh, and he has some baskets that he brought back from Rwanda and some other stuff like that. And we're trying to figure out what do we want the space to look like and feel like in like a theme and the look, you know, like you got the whole the biker, you know, motorcycle and race car vibe from Barista Parlor. And you kind of get this minimalism vibe and stuff from like uh, Stay Golden sometimes, you know, stuff like that. And um, in like this is kind of funny to say, but like kind of leading into some of the nonprofits you work with, like what was kind of your vision when thinking about how he designed the shop and the way it kind of like looks now, like what was kind of like a driving force behind that and like how you're promoting the nonprofits that Quizera is like going through. Yeah. I think it really, it, it ties back into what I was saying in terms of the African competitors, like wanting to represent their culture and what the industry means to them. And so I really wanted Cuisera to be a reflection of the things that are going on in Rwanda, if that makes sense. It does. So, I mean, it's interesting to see the growth of the brand too. Because I mean, this company has not been around that long and I didn't necessarily come into Nashville saying, all right, I'm just gonna start the shop. Like it started as a mobile cart and we were booked for events and we did that for a while and then we slowly just kind of worked ourselves up the ladder, we did e-commerce coffee for a little bit and then we're able to move into the space. But we really had to, you know, bootleg it. And we're still, you know, pulling ourselves up from our bootstraps, trying to add to that space. And so finding just ways to do that. Um, but I tied in, like, Imigongo is a traditional pattern from Rwanda. And so I had just put that into the branding of, like, our coffee bags and then on the walls. And so when so you go cool. into Cuisera, it's like you're touching aspects of that culture. And you get to touch, I think, Trey, you said this once, and I really liked it. It's like when you're at Cuisier, you're kind of reaching out and touching the farm. Um, yeah. Like having that experience being tied back in to what's going on in Rwanda. And, and nobody does that. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah. They, there's a lot of talk. That's the thing. Like the coffee industry right now is a lot of talk about it, but not a lot of action. And not, all, not a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say lack of being genuine, but it just seems like there's very little people really actually being super intentional. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially like 
I've been on Clubhouse a lot lately, listening to conversations in the coffee industry there. And I mean, you can, you really can't go more than five minutes without people talking about that connection to origin. Um, but yeah, like some like and they'll, not to get me wrong that there's people doing great stuff, but like we don't, how often do we think about like we kind of a lot of times, especially in America, our thoughts of you know bringing honor to you know origin is just oh we're just gonna pay them more. But it's like, well, how are you really going to connect? Like, I like that because I feel like you're you're connecting people a little in a deeper way to origin rather than just saying, oh, we pay them more money or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Like, yeah. I think that's really neat. And, I mean, when our farm is producing at full capacity and we've had time to continue to build out our company, I want the, some of our farmers' faces to be on the coffee that you're going to get. Like, in your mailer box, I want you to see a picture of the lady who helped with that harvest and maybe a bit of her story and what's going on in her life and how the farm has impacted her economically yeah. speaking as well. And so, I mean, that kind of, you know, segues into some of those partnerships that we've made with the company in Rwanda and the ones that we're continuing to work with at Quizera. Uh, a big one was Question Coffee. And so we initially sourced a lot of our coffees from Question Coffee, which works with Sustainable Harvest. And they've got about 30,000 women farmers spread across a couple farms in Rwanda. And so we were using coffee from that shop. And then the sale of that coffee went back to fund farmer training and they gained points during the harvest season. And they could use those points to buy things like mattresses or goats, livestock, you know, things that they could actually, you know, tangible rewards for them other than just the financial. And so that was a really cool model. And we worked a lot with a bunch of different women's cooperatives and just creative companies that were making a difference. And one of those was Peace House Ministries. So they have a transitional home in Kigali and they work with street kids and then people who've been affected by the human trafficking industry. They bring them into that transitional home, give them a skill set, help them make products. And then we distribute some of those products at our cafe to the tourists that pass through. They're just giving them a platform. And then we do entrepreneurial training. Uh, we just recently started working with a nonprofit at Quizera called Flint Global. And Flint's minimum impact is to help people raise their household incomes, like by d- doubling their household incomes. And so we want to ultimately be able to fund some of the projects that they're doing. Because one thing that I've learned through this whole journey, not just being a barista, but also being on the business side, like if you want to empower people, you got to give them jobs. You got to teach them how they can do something in their community that adds value and then helps them get paid because a handout only goes so far. And so we right. want to, you know, bring about change that's going to be longer lasting and more sustainable than just a handout. So those are just a couple of the organizations that we're working with, but we want to do a lot of work even on the farm level. I want to be able to set up agriculture training to help them increase their crop yields at their own farms, even if it is just for the food that they grow for themselves, you know, ag- educational programs for their kids and such. And so we're just going to be super intentional with the impact that we want. Yeah, but the pictures being up in the room kind of shows kind of more of a hand of like the people from the country that our coffee is coming from rather than just like, you know, about baristas that make it, which is more commonly seen, um, which are all super important. Like, I mean, as a barista, I have the opportunity to share that cup that started somewhere you know what i mean and that's kind of the whole point of the seed to cup whole stuff um but to kind of uh we talked about a lot of awesome stuff 
Sorry, there's not as many comedic little camaraderie TikToks and whatnot this episode. But after, like, getting to know Aiden more and kind of, like, his history and story, I could not, like, resist not having him on an episode and talking about it because <laughs> it's just way too rad. It's just, you know, it's it's too, like, I mean, I hope this doesn't sound mean to anything, but it's, like, everybody's trying so hard to be important in coffee a lot of times. Um, yeah. They're just really yeah. trying to be extra, and you always see it. And I'm just a dude that just wants to freaking pour some sweet drinks and, like, get to know some new people um, and be an awesome barista. Um, but at the end of the day, like that's kind of the heart of it. And uh, Aiden, like what you're doing isn't like a flex, like you going in trying to like tell somebody you're a barista is actually like baby compared to what you tell them you could be doing in the world of coffee. Cause like you could tell people like, Oh yeah. Like I own some land uh, with coffee, like, part of a coffee farm and I own that land. You could totally flex with that, but that's not your vision. You know what I mean? Like the vision's bigger. And I hope that other persons, including myself can be a part of that vision. Like, I don't want to try to flex, you know, that like, well, I know a crap ton about origins and like what's going on in Kenya. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going on in Kenya. I'll be honest. Um, and so, um, to kind of like wrap up this episode, um, I want to do one game with you, Aiden, because every two weeks you ask me, where should we get coffee from? Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> bro, I, give me like 30 minutes to think about it because I don't even know. So Aiden, I'm going to give you one minute to tell you're going to name as many roasters and at least the state that they're from in one minute. Can it, as, be, can it be international too? Yes. I'm a little nervous about that because I'm afraid you might cheat and just start making up names, but I trust you. No, I'm not going to make up names. You can fact check all these. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, ready? Here comes your minute in three, two, one, go. Uh, Let's see. Counterculture. Is it Durham, North Carolina? Uh, Go Get Them Tiger from L.A. They're in California. Uh, G&B Coffee, also L.A. Loyal Coffee, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Nice. Has been which is the roastery that Dale Harris is a wholesale account manager at. And that's in Birmingham in England. Uh, Roslyn Coffee in London. 3FE, which is in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, Rosetta Coffee Roasters in Cape Town, South Africa. Upper Left in Portland. I was just there. Stumptown, Portland. Hart Coffee Roasters, I think, is also in Portland. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, a favorite, Brady Wine in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, Question Coffee in Rwanda, White Elephant in Germany, uh, Coffee Supreme also, Wellington, Delaware, Humphrey Street, Nashville, Tennessee, I mean, Barista <laughs> Parlor, Nashville, uh, time. Honest Coffee Roasters, oh <laughs> man. You got, uh, seven, I would, I'm going to call it 18, because of the delay. 18. That's pretty 18. good. And you, okay, I was, it was funny, I thought you were going to start with the easiest ones. You, <laughs> no, I, I can't. The low-hanging fruit would be the ones in Nashville. <laughs> exactly. You just started. You're like honest, honest coffee. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, Too so uh, so next time you ask me where should we get coffee from, I'm gonna time you to tell me all the places we should get coffee from. And just pick <laughs> one of the 18 you say. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we just got to make a list, check them off. Good. I will say, favorite part 
of working at Quizera is just like the random. Oh, some coffee. Here's some coffee here. Yeah, everybody let's yeah. have some. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like it's just like it's I, it's really also just such a bar for baristas. It is. Um like I mean we're in typical with what we're trying to build to, but at the stage that we're at right now too. Yeah. Like we're kind of growing as we go. But because of that we get to have a lot of fun with it and it just be a place that coffee people can be like, Hey, hey, try this, you know. It's been awesome. So, and I love it. We have somebody fun. that works at Rocket Town that comes and like sits and just hangs it at the bar and brings in coffees that he's got from a subscription and he'll share. And then we'll bring coffees to him and share with him. And it's just like fun to just sit. And he's not even like, I'm the, I know the most about coffee. He's like, I just love drinking coffee with friends. Like it's the best. That's what it's um, about. Yeah, dude. That's right. Trey, what do you think about all this? A lot of information, a lot of cool stuff coming inside your yeah. brain. I gotta be honest. I like want to go to Quizera. I already wanted to go to Quizera, but now I, really want to go to freaking Quizera. <laughs> so next time I'm in Nashville, hopefully in March next month, when I'm in Let's Nashville, go. I am definitely the first place I go because I'm excited. Yeah, dude. I mean, and we can't wait to have you. There's plenty of, you know, cool, minimalist, hipster, awesome coffee shops to go to. But like hearing a coffee shop that is like, you know, that intentional of connecting people with origin, that just gets me pumped and excited. And if you're listening, I hope that gets you pumped and excited, you know, thinking about, you know, maybe what you can do at your shop to better connect to Origin like that. Or, you know, if you're up in Nashville, find freaking Quizera. New kids on the block, but they're New doing some big block. stuff. You know? <laughs> so that's that's exciting. Um, Aiden, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, I really... I hope everybody on my Instagram listens to this episode because that was just so awesome. And I think there's just so much great insight that people can learn um, from you and your experience. You. And I think that it's worthwhile. So this has definitely been an amazing episode. And uh, yeah, super excited. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, guys, I appreciate it. Seriously. This is the Socialist First Podcast.